Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Regarded as one of Britain's greatest ever swimmers, Steve Parry retired at the top of his game after winning an Olympic bronze medal in 2004. Since retirement, and this is probably his greatest achievement, he would argue, Steve has co-founded Total Swimming and Total Gymnastics, winning several awards along the way. When talking about Olympic legacy, few can match Steve's achievements following his Athens success 17 years ago. Gosh, that seems like a long time. I'm extremely excited, indeed honoured. I'm a BBC Radio 5 Live addict, so I hear this man's dulcet tones on a regular basis. So I'm kind of a little bit in awe because I've got a face for radio. Uh, This guy hasn't, he's a very handsome fellow, uh, but he's also got an amazing voice too. So I'm kind of already two steps behind him. But Steve, I know you're a busy man. You are doing some amazing things for so many people. And we'll talk about how that's manifested itself with some of the successes we've seen in sport in Britain in particular. But a great honour, sir, to have you on the Sandro Forte podcast. Sandro, it's it's fantastic to be on. And uh, and well done yourself for the podcast that you're doing, reaching out to so many countries and engaging with so many interesting people. It's uh, it's a pleasure of mine to be on with you, mate. Thank you. That's very kind. And uh, one of the things you asked me at the top of the show was, you're working from your office, which happens to be a public area because that's how you do things these days. Um, and we're a bit concerned about door slamming. But of course, as we know, that's what makes the Sandro Forte podcast so appealing to so many people because it is what it is and we'll deal with the background noise if that's what we have to do. So let's start, Steve, with people, for the benefit of people who don't know you, they should do, really, your reputation precedes you. But for those who don't, maybe from other countries, uh, tell us where you're from. Most people from Britain would know from that lovely accent where you're from originally. But just it would be nice to get a, a sense of who you are, where it all started, how you ended up being a, you know, a world-class swimmer. And then we'll talk about what happened next once we know a little bit more about you. Yeah, so um, quite a lot to go at there. There's uh, 44 years of of history to go at, but um, I find myself in Manchester at the moment. We're in our head office in in Manchester. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to work in an organisation with 220 full-time people and about 400 part-time, and that's a business I've built over the last 15 years. So that's some of the noise that you might hear uh, behind me. But Manchester's where I am right now with... um, and I've, I've built a nice life here with a lovely wife and, and four children. The, the four kids keep me busy, that's for sure. Uh, and I've actually been in Manchester for 20 years now, 21 years. Uh, I moved here to, to train. I was a swimmer. I moved here to train as part of the, uh, for the Commonwealth Games pool that they'd built here to get ready for the Olympics in 2004. Uh, prior to that, I spent four years uh, in America. America was absolutely fantastic. Uh, it taught me about having a positive mindset every day. Uh, waking up and seeing the best out of life. I, I dare say that Americans are, they do wake up more positive than perhaps a little bit more cynical, cynical Brits. And I think there's there's positives and negatives to both sides, but um, going to America really changed my life. The four years that I spent in Florida there. Uh, and prior to that, I was uh, I was 18 years uh, in um, in Liverpool, in, uh, in, in South Liverpool, in a place called uh, Allerton. 
Um, and that was a really fun part of my life as well. Still an avid Liverpool fan. A lot of people might know Liverpool Football Club, and I'm lucky enough to go to uh, lucky enough to go to a lot of the games when the kids will let me. Never heard of Liverpool Football Club, Steve. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that will give you some clues to who I support. But anyway, let's leave that one well alone. Really interested to know. You know, you you have reached the, the very top of your game. When, when did you decide? Did you wake up one day and decide you wanted to be a swimmer? You know, a professional athlete. Did, did it happen by accident? Did you set a plan for yourself? How did all that come about? So it's um, it was a fascinating experience for me. So I've got an older brother, Dave. Uh, he's at 13 months older than me. We, we were we fought like cat and dog every day. Um, but I had a bit of a nasty experience when I was seven years of age. We went. Uh, my parents were quite tight. You know, they were thrifty with their money. Um, actually, we didn't have a lot of money, and I think that was more the reason. And we had caravan holidays, and we would go uh, camping a lot, but we never went abroad. And we had this special holiday where we went down to London on a barge. You know, they had one of those big barges that goes along the uh, uh, along the canals. And there was me and my brother, cousin Pete, who lived in our road, in Melbrett Road in Liverpool, and uh, my mum and dad, Dave and Pauline. And we drove down, we got on this barge, we had this most amazing uh, seven days uh, on the barge. But on the last day, uh, I stupidly didn't have a lifeguard on, uh, a life jacket on, and, uh, and, and fell in. And it seems, well, it was funny at the time, uh, but being a parent myself now, I can see how scared my mum and dad were, especially when my dad was trying to fish me out the pool, out the uh, canal. And um, anyway, that led to me joining Walton Swimming Club uh, the, the, the next week. And I think I didn't realise it at the time, um, but that's built in me a huge passion for what I do now, which is, you know, we're involved in teaching kids to swim, thousands of them every week. And, and, and that's something I wake up excited about every day. Um, but actually, that was the start of my Olympic journey as well, um, from from learning to swim in Walton Baths to uh, how many years later would it have been? Uh, 20 years later in, in Athens, 2004, winning winning a, a medal at the Olympic Games in a, in a race that Michael Phelps won. So, um, yeah, it was, I didn't realise at the time, but that was a very significant moment in my life. Wow. So basically, when you're on the when you're on the starting block, that's the right expression. Uh, you just imagine yourself falling in the Manchester Ship Canal and just keeping going <laughs> until you, until you get out the other side. <laughs> well, it was um, it, that was kind of dormant that passion for learning to swim. I didn't realise it at the side when 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 you're training as uh, an Olympian, you're actually really selfish individual, in in my opinion, and you're so focused on what it is that you're trying to achieve. And, and that that burning desire that I had every morning, getting out of bed at 4.46 uh, every morning, I, all I wanted to be was the best the, the best swimmer in the world, the best at w- what I could do. Um, and it was only later um, that the passion for all kids learning to swim came and, I, and, and, and went back to that moment, you know. But, but uh, yeah, for, for 10 years, um, since I was 17, I won, I won the Junior European Championships as a schoolboy. Um, and it was a pretty big deal to be the best junior in Europe. And, and it was at that moment I thought to myself, you know what, this Olympic idea that I've always had, this, this aim of wanting to go to the Games, it was there that it really crystallised. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, you know, I can, I can really do this. So I, I hear passion in, in everything you say and do, but passion alone doesn't get you to, you know, to the Olympics. So what, what do you think it is, Steve, that, because I'm, I'm really interested to ask you this question because people will be wanting to know from you, of all people, what is it that sets you and, and perhaps those small percentage of other people apart that gets you to the top of the game? Not 
nearly to the top, but really, you know, the Steve Redgrave top of the game, the Steve Parry top of the game. What what is it about you? What is it in others that you see? And even some of these young kids learning to swim now, that that special something you see in them, what is it that gets them all the way? Well, here's here's the thing that is the saddest part of this whole thing. And I, I'm not sure it's talked about enough. I was particularly lucky that I had parents that were willing to give me opportunity. And, and a lot of life is about opportunity, isn't it? And, and, and what opportunity comes your way. So if I'd have had parents that weren't willing to get me into a football team, get me into a basketball team, uh, be a taxi driver and take me to cricket, uh, have me in a choir. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I was in a choir, but it was in a choir. They had me do that as well and swimming. So it wasn't like I chose swimming. I, I tried five or six, seven different things. Thanks to my, uh, amazing parents never said thank you at the time, by the way. Uh, you're only realist when you come at a, a, an adult yourself. So, so that was the first thing, having the opportunity to to get into these things, and then um, because I've got a bit of an ego and I'm good at something, and found out that I was good at swimming, um, I like doing it and I like women winning. You know, I like I like winning at everything. R- riding a bike against my daughter's monopoly against my brother, uh, cooking better than my wife. You know, I just I, I'm a guy that likes to l- likes to win. So. Um, Swimming then started to, I started to choose swimming then because I, I was, I was doing well at it. But here's another secret. It's not, um, people talk about talent a, a lot. I don't think that's true. Like I can't be a Beth Treadle. I'm, 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 not, I'm never going to be a gymnast. I also can't be a weightlifter because my, my, pro, my body isn't, uh, doesn't have a predisposition for that. Um, but I'm six foot four and I've got long levers so I can be a swimmer. Now here's the secret. If you're willing to work harder than the next person, the other guy that's six foot four, that has those levers, you're going to do better. And, and the only way that you're prepared to work harder is if you have a mindset not to, not to give up. And, and I, think that is, I think that's the main thing. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily about innate talent. I think it's about the ability to do stuff well uh, with huge amounts of repetition. Okay, that's a great answer. Um, and actually, I, I think back to a conversation that I had many years ago, and I've heard him say it since, but um, I've mentioned to Steve Redgrave already, and, and, and he once said that the reason why he believed he achieved so much was because he was the one person that was prepared to train on Christmas Day. And, and, and you're right, everything you say, uh, and I've articulated so brilliantly, it's, it's about doing just that little bit better than the, than the guy or lady next, next door. Um, I'm going to ask you about retirement now because a lot of yep. people get to a point where, especially in sport, which has been their life for so many years, did you find it difficult to retire? Because, you know, a lot's made of sports people really struggling post the career, the only career they know, stepping away, adapting to a new way of life. I mean, you've reinvented yourself um, brilliantly and we'll talk about total swimming in, in particular in a moment. Did you find it difficult to retire? How did you transition from one place to another? So I think I was really lucky. Like since I was 11 years of age, I imagine myself on the rostrum. Now, now get this, Sandro. Guess, guess where I imagine myself on the rostrum? In the middle? I, I imagine myself in third place. There was a guy called Andy Jameson who was, he's now the BBC commentator for, for swimming. He was also from Merseyside. He went to the 88 Olympics. He got a bronze medal on the 100 meters butterfly. He was a bit of a hero of mine. Don't tell him because he's a mate now and we play golf, but he was a bit of a hero's man. So as a kid, I had this image in my mind of me standing on the rostrum at the Olympics in bronze medal position. 
And I've often thought, you know, if the intervention in my life had come and my, the guy that I was looking up to had been a gold medalist, would I have imagined myself in that gold medal position? And therefore, would my uh, performance at the Olympics have been different? Because I believe strongly in preconditioning the mind. So I, I, I thought that was fascinating at the time that I always imagined myself in, in bronze medal position. And, and, and that's, where, uh, that's where I ended up. Um, and I've forgotten what your question was now because I've gone on about um about, uh, just yeah no you answered it very well it's about the how difficult it was to retire to transition from one place Sorry. to another yeah and 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 that was the point that I was coming on to so I achieved in Athens on the 200 meters butterfly the exact thing that I wanted to achieve in the Olympic Games and I think once you achieve the very thing that you you want to um it's easy to retire I um I did not get back in the water uh, from the moment I climbed out the Athens pool for seven months, it was, um, and I, and, and I just hung up the trunks. And the only reason I got back in the water was for a little exhibition swim, but I didn't look quite so impressive, two stone heavier and a little bit flabbier. <laughs> it was a bit like, a bit like me, County golf. It was my life for uh, probably 13 years. As soon as I decided to call County golf a day, that was it. I didn't touch a golf club, go on a golf course for about eight years. I think it was, it was, you know, Sublime to the ridiculous. Um, it's just important to note, though, I do have friends that didn't achieve what they want, wanted to in the sport or and indeed other sports, and they simply can't let it go. 20, 20 years on, they've still got some de demons to banish because it's gnawing away at them. You know, and it's um, at, in, in a lot of circumstances, it, it, can be, um, it can be really quite depressing for them, literally. When we only have 30 minutes with somebody like you, we, it really focuses the mind. So we're going to try and get on quickly to the next question. This, um, this wonderful vision you had, total swimming and total gymnastics and your great friend, Beth Weddle, who's been a former podcast guest here. Um, where, where did that vision come from? I mean, uh, we, again, we were talking, Steve, at the top of the show. Let's go back to 2004. Britain won, I think, nine golds, nine silvers, 12 bronzes. I might be wrong, but it's something like that. 2020, although 2021... 22 gold, 21 silvers and 22 bronzes, if I'm not mistaken. That is yep. a massive, that is a massive growth uh, in, in a sport where we know that they've, they've only been, what, three, four Olympic games since then. So that, that is exponential growth. How has that happened? And tell us a little bit about your vision for total swimming and total gymnastics. Yeah, let's let's take the Olympics one first, right? So um, I, I think you can relay this back to sports as well. And we we previously mentioned about intensity and repetition, right? And that's how you become good at something. So you can this goes all the way back. You can train all the way, this back to 1996, and you've already mentioned that dude. There was one gold medal in 1996 Olympics. Um, I think we were beaten by Slovakia, New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand's got more sheep than it has people, and we're beaten by uh, New Zealand, right? Uh, apologies to people listening to us in, in New Zealand. But, um, you know, I think we came 32nd on the Olympic medal table, which for Great Britain is a huge underperformance. And once again, we're relying on Steve Redgrave and Matthew Pinsons. This coincided with the advent of lottery funding. So, you know, regardless of what you think about gambling, you can get your six numbers and you might win a couple of million quid at the weekend. What I like, like about the lottery is it's used for social good, right? So it isn't just company profiteering. Some goes to culture, some goes to arts. One of those funding pots is sport. And they decide that they're going to put a couple of hundred million quid into elite sports. And you can plot the trajectory. So they didn't get the results in 2000. In fact, swimming blanked in 2000. 
Um, athletics did okay. Some other sports did okay. But we we nudged it up. We got a few more gold medals. You've just said we got 12 gold medals, and you're absolutely right, uh, or nine gold medals, sorry, in the um, in the Athens Olympics. And, and bang, Beijing, 12 years after we committed to having an elite funding arm, that's when it really exploded. That's when... That's when British cycling won seven or eight of 10 gold medals on offer on the track. That's when athletics really brought home the bacon. And, and we, we were then in the teens. Then we go to a home games in London. We were in the 20s. Then Rio was actually our best because we got 27 gold medals and we're still second on the medal table. Now, for me, that was absolutely phenomenal. Most countries, after going to a home games, have an, an inevitable downturn in terms of performance. Great Britain didn't do that. They stuck with the funding and they built on that success. They finished ahead of uh, Japan. They finished ahead of China. We were, we were the second on the medal table, which makes us pound for pound, the best Olympic sporting nation on the planet. Um, and here we are uh, with Tokyo just being, and again, we have great performance uh, at, at that level. And, and I think it's brilliant for two reasons. Uh, one, it lifts the nation in sports performances once every four years. And secondly, it has really positive impacts, I think, on the nation and especially children who aspire and can aspire to do other stuff rather than football, which can completely dominate our landscape. But I'm going to link it all back to focus and intensity and repetition because you do it for 10 years. 10 years wasn't enough. You needed three Olympic cycles in order to have the success that was truly possible. Absolutely. I, I'm going to take you, if I may, to uh, a, a challenging time in your life because a lot of people listen to Steve Parry talk about uh, the great success he achieved personally and what he's doing now to help so many other people across the country. But it hasn't all been straightforward. It hasn't been easy. There have been some obstacles in the way. And for you in particular, if you don't mind me raising the subject, something that unfortunately killed my father and my stepfather 13 years later, you uh, were diagnosed with cancer clearly affected you physically mentally how did you deal with that particular challenge and how have you dealt with other challenges that have come your way Steve because you don't achieve great things in anything life business sport unless you find a way to overcome those obstacles no you you're right and that was particularly challenging and I'm I'm sorry to hear about your uh, father and your and your stepfather it's a it's a it's a terrible uh, disease um I, you know, it's, it, it's a tough one. So my, um, my, my wife, um, Thea, um, she go, going back to 2005, um, her sister who was 31 years of age at the time married a lovely fellow called Chris and they went on holiday, uh, on their honeymoon and they just bought a house and they came back and, and Maxine was, um, she was, um, saying that she had a lot of pain in her, in her stomach and for months they couldn't find anything, right? And then she eventually goes to see this specialist and um, she was told that she had cancer and she had five weeks to live um, at 31. And that was something that my wife, Athea, had to deal with, um, which was exceptionally tough on her. So that was 2005-ish, you could imagine. She, she kind of held the family together with, 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 with that one because uh, mum and dad were, her mum and dad were, were broken up. But the, the reason I'm sharing that context is because our experience, uh, you know, in our late 20s as a couple was a very, was an extremely negative one, a very severe one when it comes to cancer. Uh, and then um, Thea and I got married in 2009. We go on a honeymoon. 
uh, and I came back and was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So what, testicular cancer is actually a very good cancer to, to get for, for, for men. It's got a great survival rate of 96%, but the, the, it's the word that sends people um, into a bit of a meltdown, you know? Um, and, and actually, given Maxine's experience, it was, it was all the other noise regarding cancer that was, that was tough. And I, th I think it was the similarity between the two, Maxine going away on, on a honeymoon and, and then passing away, and then we just being away on our honeymoon and my, and my wife having to, it brought all that stuff back up. So um, that was the hard thing. But let me tell you how it was dealt with. It was dealt with in a very similar way as to how you deal with being a sports person. So you forget the noise, and you uh, you understand what the goal is, uh, and you surround yourself with a team of people that can help you achieve that goal, and you have a really uh, positive mindset in order to deal with that stuff. And I I I thought that, and it sounds ridiculous, but I thought being uh, a, an Olympic swimmer and understanding that process really helped me deal with the um, with the cancer stuff because because you're not worried about what the answer is. What what you're focusing on is what you're going to do, whether it's a negative answer or a positive answer and, and 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 going through that process was was actually better but um tried to do a bit of stuff to raise awareness towards uh, testicular cancer because blokes are just not as good as uh, their female counterparts when it comes to talking about their bodies or seeing uh, someone if there is a if there is a problem so um yeah i i, I tried to talk about it quite a bit Good for you. But, but, it, but you. it didn't do it. Didn't do it any harm because uh, a father of four children. So, but now I'm just bragging. <laughs> <laughs> um, good, good for you. Um, and I'm glad you're back to to full health and fitness, and you've got a lovely family, so that's terrific. And and I know a, a real pillar of strength next to you. So uh, long may that continue. And and I guess uh, probably this is a rhetorical question, Steve. But um, do you apply the same logic the same process to all the challenges you know injuries setbacks you know making it onto the podium third instead of first you know all those other things that you have to deal with in life same process exactly the same process and you know i'm i'm really looking now to be involved in an organization with with wonderful people in it people that genuinely care um, and want to make a difference uh, and i feel quite lucky that um I'm not involved in making spanners or producing nuts. I mean, I'm sure people that produce nuts are, are really, you know, are really passionate about it, but it's not there's something a, there, there's a There's a pun there, isn't there? There, there, there is, yeah. I don't know why I picked that. I, know, I don't know why I picked this analogy. I'm, I'm going backwards on topics. Um, but, you know, what, what we do is, I mean, our commodity is making kids smile. That's, that's what we do. Uh, and, and we're about, we're lucky to have 30,000 kids a week doing our programs from Aberdeen all the way down to Milton Keynes. Um, and predominantly they're doing swimming and gymnastics lessons. Um, and that's an, e that's an easy thing to get excited about. But, we, but the point here is, is regarding process. You have to be extremely clear around what it is that you're trying to achieve. Uh, you have to build a team of people that can help you uh, achieve that goal. And every day you've got to take the right mindset uh, into in, in battle with you. And that, you know, that means challenging negativity or uh, being very open and honest. You know, we, we always say to people uh, in, in the business, it doesn't matter who you are, everyone should be willing to give and accept feedback, uh, but there has to be certain rules in there that feedback can't be about moaning. Feedback has to be given on the basis you're trying to better that individual um, and not about having a gripe because it winds you up.
that's that that's the most important thing. So um I'm I'm much more excited about um what this business will achieve than I was about um winning an Olympic medal. And, I, and I'm actually prouder about the outputs of what I'm doing now rather than swimming four lengths butterfly uh, fast. R whilst that was amazing, um, this, ha this has a real social purpose. I love the fact you say, uh, and I think I'm, I'm not paraphrasing when I say this, I think you said your business, your commodity is making kids smile. I think it's absolutely lovely. What a, what a great mission to have in life. Just going to ask you briefly before the final two questions about motivation. Because, you know, as a, as a high-performing sports person who's now motivating 30,000 kids, and I wonder if there are any future Olympic champions in amongst that lot. Um, but a lot of people email us regularly, Steve, saying, I really struggle with motivation. Lose weight, develop an idea, um, making the call you don't want to make. How do, you, how do you motivate people? I guess you've got to want to do something. The fundamental part of this is they've got to want to do something. But let's presuppose that's there. How, how do people get out the starting blocks to use a sporting analogy? Well, I have a philosophy that you've got to eat the toad. So um, can you imagine eating a toad, Sandra? Not really. No. It doesn't seem like a particularly nice thing to do. So I would get um, my, my philosophy is you get the stuff that you don't want to do out the way first thing. So we, we, you can often build fear on something um, because you don't want to do it. So, you know, if I have to make a particularly tough call or you have to let somebody down or there's an, a, there's an activity that you need to do that you really don't want to do, the time to do that is first thing in the morning. Because if you, if you don't do it first off, you're, you're, you're never going to, uh, you're never going to get to it. But I think more, more important than that, um, you have to decide that you really, really want to do this. You know, losing weight is a great example. A, a lot of people say they want to lose weight. But do they really? Are, 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 what is it about losing weight that they that they want to do? Are they just do they want to look like someone? Or but you know we much prefer having I don't know five beers over the weekend or having an ice cream or or, or whatever it is. You, you you've got to be honest with yourself first off around and real around whether that's something you actually want to do. Because if you don't want to do it, you're never, you're never going to find the uh, find the commitment to do it. And and again, I'm going to come back to a thing I've said a number of times on this call. It's about repetition. And as soon as you break that repetition, it is over. So once you've committed to doing something, it's about doing it every day. Yeah. Habit habit stacking is a is is an interesting thing. So great habit we all have is brushing our teeth. Um, if you say that you're going to go to the gym every day or do 50 press ups every day. Uh, stack it after a habit that you've already got. So brush your teeth and then go to the gym, because um, you cut. If if you've if, if you've committed to doing that, you've got to do the other thing. Does does that make sense? Or does that it does. Ridiculous? It does. Yeah. No, I, I, no. I'm writing that one down. That's a takeaway for me and everyone else. Um, final two questions, because we've sadly run out of time. How do people find out more about you? You are you are you um, easy to find on social media? If you have got a website, we'd all love to know about the Total Swimming and Total Gymnastics websites because people want to check you out. So just reel them off, whatever you've got. So, so I think this is just an interesting one as a sidebar, Sandra. I, I think I'm quite peculiar in this regard. I see a lot of people on social media trying to get more followers, more likes, uh, whatever. And I'm, I, I went through a phase of asking myself, well, why, why would that be? Are they doing that for the right purpose? Or is there something missing in their life where they need that? Right. So anyway, I, I actually withdrew from Facebook because uh, I'm like, 
hold on, I've got a pretty good life and I see all these other people's lives and that's not making me feel pretty good because everyone else's life seems to be perfect and, 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 and that's giving me bad thoughts about myself. So, so I withdrew from Facebook because I, I, I didn't think it was positive and I, I choose to channel that energy into my family and, and the things that are important. Same thing with Twitter. I read a bit of Twitter, but then I'm like, hmm, is it really interesting? So anyway, social media is an interesting one for, for me and I might return to it, but that's my current, that's my current view on that. Um, but in terms, in terms of the businesses, we, we will be around and about of people in Great Britain. Um, it's Total Swimming. Um, we've got a number of brands, Becky Ellenson Swim Stars, Total Swimming uh, and Swim. And then, of course, Beth Twelve Gymnastics. So if people want to do uh, swimming or gymnastics, if they're going to Google it in Britain, there's a chance that they're going to be near one of our, one of our centers, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, apart, apart from that, I'm, I, I guess I'm pretty hard to, to, to reach out to. So I, I don't think that was probably one of the answers that you were, that you were. No, that's cool. That, I know. Yeah. I, I actually love that answer because I, I really get fed up of um, learning what people have had for breakfast on Facebook. So I'm totally with you on that one. Um, and, and as a, as a Gen X dinosaur, I don't understand the whole social media thing anyway. So um, no, you and I, are well, I, I say this to my niece and nephew and they're like, what are you what are you talking about you're so old you if if you're not on social media you're nobody so yeah it was interesting I, i'll settle for being a nobody that's fine <laughs> um final final question Stephen. thank you once again for being a terrific guest and with, you know, some amazing insights into life success sport achievement overcoming uh difficulties along the way uh if one of those four wonderful kids came up to you one day and said dad uh I, i'd love you just to give us a steer on life one single piece of advice we don't want any more than one just one that would stand out for you above all the others what would it be steve that is such a good question what what would be the one bit of advice that i would give my kids do you know what i i the my my best um experience and lessons in life have come from failure not from success right it's 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 from really messing up um, and I would encourage my my kids to try as many different things as they can from as broad a spectrum as, as life. And and actually, don't say don't say no to any opportunities uh, unless it's illegal. Very good indeed. Thank you. Um, you didn't disappoint. I knew you were going to be a terrific guest. Everything I've ever heard about you and everything I've ever heard on the radio uh, tells me that today was going to be a good day for the Sandro Forte podcast. So thank you, Steve Parry, for being absolutely terrific in every way. Um, long may you continue to do all the things that you're doing for tens of thousands of children. And hopefully through your work with Beth and the team, you, uh, you spawn our next Olympic champion in the pool or on the, uh, in the gymnastics hall. So um, well done to you. Thank you for joining us today and uh, long may your successes continue. Thanks, Sandra. It's been great talking to you. Cheers, buddy. And to all of you for listening to the Sandro Forte podcast once again, uh, thank you to Steve Parry. What a terrific guest he was. You know how this works. I'm not going to bore you with the details. Uh, we do operate on the social media channels as far as the podcast is concerned, because otherwise people don't get to hear us on iTunes and Spotify. But if you've got any questions, just email us. The good old-fashioned email is fine. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. Uh, and remember, if you do leave a review on iTunes to let us know what you thought of Steve or any of the other guests, you will be automatically entered into a guest prize draw, uh, kindly donated by one of those guests. Finally, do forget, uh, don't forget to tune in uh, to the Sandro Forte podcast this time next week and bring a friend because that's how the Sandro Forte podcast is now grown 
to be listened to in over 52 countries. So once again, it goes without saying, Steve Parry, thank you very much indeed for being a wonderful guest. And to all of you, see you this time next week. 